0: Don't imagine you young folks uh, can comprehend that this is really a blessing for me to stand in front of you. It's taken some study, of course, but uh, it's a privilege, and I'm glad to be here. We want to greet you in the precious name of Jesus, our Savior. I won't forget to pass out our handouts here, if uh, a couple of you can do this. sang when I survey the wondrous cross and in this book The Inward Journey I don't know how many have read this book we just have to recommend it it's a journey that the author takes a young man on and shows him various scenes and they came to one scene that was so horrible that the angel that was directing him couldn't look on it they shrunk from it and the young man that was being directed around felt that he had to see what it was and this man this angel told him it was before everything he said before everything before everything I just want to read a little about it. No, replied messenger, there is nothing else, nor can there be, until there is first that. Messenger pointed again in the direction of the light. That must be before all things. That and pain, that and suffering were before even the beginnings. Nor could there have been anything unless messenger fell, fell silent. Cautiously, Christian moved forward. Plainly, there was something lying out there before him. Oh no, oh no, no, cried Christian. No, no, please no, he cried again as he dropped to his knees. Just before him, lying in a pool of blood, lay the cold, dead, and mangled form of a snow-white lamb, for he was slain before the foundation of the world. That's the one we worship today. That's the one we're saying has to work in our hearts, that we can't do anything of ourselves. He has to do it. Trust He will at this time, because we are weak, not only weak but unworthy, but God is worthy. Christ is worthy, that Lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. We'd like to continue the theme of unashamed workmen, Nothing to be ashamed about, and yet shame is a bold fellow. He sneaks in when we don't want to be ashamed, and here we feel shame in spite of our desires sometimes. We'd like to be bold. We'd like to speak for the Lord, but shame comes in sometimes very bold. Psalm one nineteen verse. 1 to 8. I'd just like to read that. Blessed are the undefiled in the way, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity, they walk in his ways. Thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all thy commandments. I will praise thee with uprightness of heart when I have, shall have learned thy righteous judgments. I will keep thy statutes. Oh, forsake me not utterly. And to Mark 8, verse 38, says, Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation. Of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. You see how much we have at stake to be unashamed as we serve God in the world. Because if we're ashamed of Him, He will be ashamed of us. And we don't want that to happen. We want to stand there justified by the blood of Jesus. Blessed justified before him because we're all going to stand there in judgment. We're going to see him, even though it seems almost unreal that he could come again. He's going to come. He's going to come in the clouds. I would like to open it up just a little bit. Can any of you young people testify at a time when you were ashamed? A little bit negative, of course. Yes?
1: I um, very recently have, and I've been more convicted this week than I was even at the time it happened, but I have a coworker that's been very... She's been a trial to me. She um, questions things a lot, and she doesn't really do it in a question like she's confronting me, but she'll say it, and she'll try to get other people to agree with her. And a couple weeks ago, she... Brought up that she doesn't believe that the Bible is to be taken literally. That she doesn't think that God really did miracles. That she thinks that He just wrote in there. And I regret now not saying anything. Because I believe that miracles do happen. I have been proven that. And God does do miracles. And her comment was, well, who would really ever get followed by a whale and live through that? And I'm very ashamed for not up for that. And she said other things too. And I just, my prayer is that my strength to be unashamed will be strengthened.
0: Good. We can learn from those those experiences. Anyone else? Yes.
2: Oh, um, I can testify being ashamed to be identified as God's people. Um, just in, I was sharing a story with some of the brothers in my in last night about. Um, on a trip back from Liberia, we uh, had a stop in Amsterdam. And, um, I think I probably stayed at least 50 feet behind. Um, it would have been my parents and Rod and Ann and, um, my brother and his wife and my brother and other Anyway, um, yeah I just did want to, uh, be identified with them and, that's just a very um, vivid experience in my mind because I remember how how much I tried to to stay away from them as much as I could and not um, be identified with them because I was ashamed to be identified
0: with God. Don't feel that way now, do you? No. We can learn from those. Yes.
3: I just share that um, Paul says that I am not ashamed, not ashamed of the gospel of right. Christ because it's the power of God in salvation, salvation. and um, so he's not ashamed that means it would be possible to be ashamed of it and I've been yes,
2: ashamed it's
3: of the gospel of Christ at, at times in my life when I have sin in my life <laughs> that when I come up with an opportunity to share with somebody I have no power mm. and it says it is the power of God to salvation the gospel of Christ is right. but if I'm not experiencing the gospel of Christ in my in my life the salvation of Christ in my life you know, if I'm not free from my sin then I have no power to share mm-hmm. and uh, that's what I've experienced just situations people ask you uh, they'll notice something a little bit different about you they don't really know what's inside of you so mm-hmm. are you a Christian or
1: yeah oh yeah yeah you know I am
3: I know. Uh-huh. but I, you, know, you just want to boldly share with them you want to mm-hmm. convict their heart and you want to seek out their need but that's right
0: You can't. If you're a Right. Right. Anyone else? Yeah. Like this year. I have a lot of
1: people come to our shop, and I've been working on a car, and nobody ever with the other guy in my day, or in his his lift, and he's making some joke, and I won't laugh about it, and I'll see that. And I'll be nervous, and I'll go, hey, why aren't you laughing about it? And, they'll say i you religious or I'm a Christian one or the other and usually I'll say yes well, I won't say yes I'm religious in the sense of the word but um, I'll say yes I'm a Christian and then they want to know what denomination and all that stuff and of course I'm busy at that time but I just I have a big issue with that when there's sin in my life uh, uh, mm-hmm. that's Hmm.
0: usually some kind of excuse we can offer. I want to tell a time when I was ashamed. I went to public school. I belonged to what they call the future farmers of America. Maybe some of you have had that experience. Anyway, we had an annual parent-son banquet. And uh, there was a lot of preparation went into this. And my parents hadn't been... Um, connected with the school. They sent us there, and they were very loving in it, but they hadn't gone into our classes or anything. And uh, so they were coming to this parent-student banquet. And uh, my father was an old-fashioned brother. He had an untrimmed beard and fairly long hair, and I guess I was kind of dreading that when he would come because I was a bit ashamed. And I shouldn't have been because I had such a good father. And I'm so thankful for him. And I don't want to be ashamed like that anymore. Um, Praise the Lord we can overcome that. Study to show thyself approved unto God A workman that needeth not to be ashamed Rightly dividing the word of truth. We're going to do this as a round. We're going to do the girls first, the boys second, and the adults in the back third. Okay.
1: Study to show thyself approved unto
0: God. Study
1: to show thyself approved unto God. Study to show I think to Very good.
0: That's our kind of our theme verse for uh, for uh, not being ashamed, unashamed workmen, and it's also kind of a theme for this um, this particular study because it's on study. It's, we're going to talk about study, and uh, first I'd like for uh, Brother Jordan to read uh, Job 28. It's on your handout, uh, listed there. And it's about wisdom.
4: Job 28. Truly there is a vein for silver and a place for gold where they find it. Iron is taken out of the earth and brass is smouldering out of the sand. He set up the end in darkness and searched out all perfection. He turned the darkness into the shadow of death. The flood breaks out and the inhabitants, even the waters, without the mention of They are dried out, they are gone away from men. As for the earth, out of it it cometh bread, and under it it is turned up as it were fire. The stone of it were of the place of sapphire, and it has dust of gold. There is a path which no fowl knoweth, and which the vulture's eye has not seen. The lion's boat has not trodden it, but will appear to climb past by it. He put a force's hand upon the rock. He overturneth the mountains by the roof. He cuteth out the rivers among the rocks, and he at every precious thing. He biteth the floods where plunged, and the things that it did bringeth he forth to life. And where shall wisdom be found? And where is the place to understand? The man knoweth not the Christ thereof, there, neither is it found in the land of living, but that's sad, that is say it is not in me, and see sad, it is not in me. It cannot be gotten with gold, neither shall silver be weighed for the price thereof. It cannot be valued gold or opal, or the precious onyx or the sapphire. The gold and the crystal cannot equal it, and the exchange of it shall not be for jewels or fine gold. No mention shall be made of coral or of pearl. The price of wisdom is far above the The topaz of Ethiopia shall not equal it, neither shall it be valued with pure gold. What coming with it? Where is the place of understanding? Seeing it is hid from the eyes of all living, and keep close in the bow of the air. destruction and death day. we have heard the fame thereof with our ears. God understandeth the way thereof. He knows the place thereof. For he looketh to of the earth, and seeth unto the whole heaven. To make the way of the wind, he layeth the water by measure. When he made a decree for the rain, and a way for the lightning and thunder, then did he see it, and declare it. He prepared it, yea, and searched it out. And unto the man he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to depart from all evil and understanding.
0: All right, thank you. That's kind of a long reading, but I'd like to add a little more to it. in Proverbs chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through 9. Who would volunteer to read that for me over here? Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. Go ahead.
3: My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear to wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding, yea, if thou criest after knowledge, and lifteth up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver, and searchest for her as for his treasures. Then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord, and shalt find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom. Out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. He keepeth the paths of judgment and preserveth the way of his saints. Then shalt thou understand righteousness, and judgment, and equity, yea, every good path.
0: Thank you. We can see there's one word in this Job passage that seems to stand out, and no doubt for which it was written, and that is wisdom. And we would like to relate our study to wisdom. Uh, Sort of a progression. Study gives knowledge. But knowledge isn't enough. We need, besides knowledge, we need understanding. Maybe even understanding isn't quite enough. Besides knowledge and understanding, we need wisdom. And perhaps you think there's not much difference there, but there is. Knowledge is just information and we can get that information and not do a whole lot with it, not be very convicted by it, not be very uh, profitable to spread it. But when we understand, then we come to apply it to us and we know what it says. But then when we have wisdom, wisdom tells us how to use this knowledge and use this understanding. It's the practical part. And so I want to relate this to our study because Study is the way we get knowledge and then understanding and wisdom. Why study? What is the value? And we're talking about here the Word of God. There can be many studies, and we want to suggest a few uh, that are inside the Word of God. But you can study things in school, and they're not wrong. Many of them are not wrong. But we're emphasizing here, because this is a, a Bible school, we're emphasizing here the study of the Word of God. Well, it says to show thyself approved unto God. Yes, that's the reason to study. If we don't study, then God won't approve of us because we're simply not making effort to know his word and advance in it into wisdom. Sincere study produces unashamed workmen because then we know the answers. We don't have to grope about for ideas or anything like that because we know the Word of God. We can memorize it. We can be familiar with it so that we can quote it because the Word of God endures forever and it's very foundational. We can use it because it's practical and it works. In 1 Corinthians 6.5, he says, I speak to your shame. You know, it was there that... that people didn't know what they should know and he said I speak to your shame maybe I I don't have time to really analyze that but we can be kind of ashamed when the people we know are uninformed because after all we're our brother's keeper and we have a duty to work that our friends and our loved ones our families be informed and uh, we don't want someone to say I speak to your shame He says in the context of going to law, I believe that's where this was spoken. He says, dare any of you go before the unbelievers. You know, there is responsibility here. When we know the word of God and we study it well, then it gives responsibility. Study to know. Simple. We like to know. We were talking to one of my nephews that uh, just had very great knowledge in simple things. And maybe uh, Caleb could refer to this about his working on cars. Uh, this this man also spoke about working on cars, and he said someone made that car. So it's possible to understand it. Someone worked out the diagram, uh, the wiring diagram. He said it's so important that you study these things so you know and you know how to work on them. You know what made uh, made them work. And uh, I was kind of impressed like that by that. Someone made it. Study to learn the Christian language. Now, there are lots of languages, but there is a Christian language. And I like to think about that because there, is, there are words that we say and there are words that we don't say in this Christian language. We were in Haiti. We talk a lot about Haiti. The first time we were in there, we were out in a marketplace And you know how those markets are if you've ever been there. Food sold right off the ground, pigs running around and chickens and that sort of thing. But in that market, we heard something. We heard a song. And we walked over toward that, and here was a lady sitting on the ground and she was singing. She was a sing, singing a song that we knew, but she wasn't singing in a language that we knew. But we knew the song, so we sang with her, and, and she was singing in her language, we were singing in our language, but I think we were probably both speaking the Christian language. Because it was precious name, oh how sweet hope of earth. We have, here was she sitting on the ground, no doubt in deep poverty. Here we were so blessed and so rich, but we could both sing precious name. But we have a responsibility because we're so blessed. And I think they don't have as much because they don't, they don't have as much responsibility because they've not been given as much. And I'd like to talk a little bit more about that Christian language. I'd like you to think of some of the words that would be in the Christian language that probably wouldn't be found too much in the language of the world, and some that would be in the language of the world that wouldn't be found too much in the Christian language. Um, What about luck? Is that a Christian word? No, it's not. Luck is not a Christian word. It's the language of the world. What about grace? Is that a Christian word? Probably not used too much in the language of the world. How about... um, Forgive. That's a good one, isn't it? That's in our language. We not only need to use that word, we need to practice it. Because we can. And there's freedom in forgiveness. We have a book by that name that my wife treasures. Freedom in forgiveness. Um, lawsuit. Maybe that wouldn't be exactly a non-Christian word, but certainly it isn't something we want to engage in. Uh, I think of my... Well, maybe I shouldn't tell it, but my father lost his property years and years ago, before I was born. And uh, it came before the brotherhood. It didn't come before the law. It came before the brotherhood because the property was owned by a brother. And my father couldn't meet the payments. And he lost that property. And the part I like so well is that I didn't even know this until I was grown He wasn't worried about it. He didn't talk about it. He didn't regret it, apparently. And I was so happy when I learned that that happened, but he didn't care. It wasn't a big thing with him. Okay, some other words here. Tithe. Good Christian word, isn't it? How about covet? Well, we're supposed to cover earnestly the best gifts, of course. (laughs) Maybe that's in both. How about go jump in the lake? An expression. <laughs> we shouldn't use expressions like that, should we? Eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Is that Christian? No, it's really not, is it? We've come beyond that. He wants us to love one another and forgive. Not give an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. How about curse in the sense of saying a curse or cussing? We know that's not a Christian word, don't we? How about um, get lost? Not good. Got a few good words that it should be in our language. One of them is mercy. One of them is encouragement. One is thank you. One is pardon me. And one is precious. Can you think of any others? Should you like to say out a few Good words, or maybe some that aren't so good. Saved. Saved, Saved. yeah, they probably wouldn't. They'd probably think about their bank accounts, wouldn't they? Joy. Joy, good.
3: Born again. Born again, good. Versus reborn.
0: Right. True
2: peace.
0: True peace. Oh, that's so good. That's the Christian language, and I hope we can learn it well and learn to speak it learn to recognize it learn to uh, understand it and speak it I remember years ago one of the times first times I rode in an airplane we were already boarded we were in our seats kind of about halfway back and here came a lady and she was a kind of a heavy lady lots of baggage and she came bumbling down the aisle and it was obvious where she belonged what nationality she was she was Italian I mean you couldn't Miss it. In her talk, in her actions, she was Italian and and you could tell it. I just wish that we could be that well identified that when some people see us, we see there's a Christian. We speak the language, we dress the way in a modest fashion that the way that people could recognize if they only would like to challenge us with that. Be identified. Because we are identified. We're identified by our words, by our appearance. It just uh, makes a difference. And this comes out of the heart, of course. But, you know, we say, well, if the heart is right, everything is right. Not necessarily. Perhaps, if strictly speaking, it might be true. But if the heart is right, the outside will be right. There won't be a mistake here. There won't be a discrepancy. If our hearts are right, it's going to show. I don't mean to promote a certain way of dressing. We, we uh, um, travel among the Benedite people. There's a little different than ours. The Lamish have their own way. The Hutterites have their own dress. And I don't see anything wrong with that, but I don't think we should be ashamed to dress like brethren and dress like Christians. And be identified, you sisters are identified. How about you, brethren? Little difference, isn't it? You can pass for a worldly person pretty easily. ones that grow of beards, maybe Of course, beards are pretty common now, aren't they? It doesn't when I uh, let my beard grow, it wasn't very common. I was working in the hardware store, and I guess maybe it was a little hard at first to be identified that way. In fact, I talked to my boss, boss about it, and uh, he uh, finally sort of said, well, if that's what you want to do, I don't think he liked it, because after all, the image of the store was the image of the people that worked there. But anyway, don't be ashamed. I guess that's the message I'd like to put out here. Number six, study to be quiet. First Thessalonians 4.11. That is more than a teacher's motto. I used to tell my students, study to be quiet. It's in the Bible. Well, there's more to it than that. We need to have a quiet spirit. We need to speak quietly. And it's the opposite of, of, I don't want to say boldness because there's a holy boldness that we heard about this morning. But there's also another boldness that isn't a holy boldness. And it, it would be the opposite of study to be quiet. We don't want to be bold in that sense. The opposite is possibly loud. Okay, number 7, Proverbs fifteen twenty eight. 28. The heart of the righteous studieth to answer, but the mouth of the wicked poureth out evil things. Studieth to answer. Study is our, our theme here. Is it really... Does it take some study to give a good answer? I believe so. I know some people that if you ask them a question or expect them to respond in some way... There's a few moments of silence and sometimes you kind of wonder, did they hear it or are they going to respond? Pretty soon you get a good answer. Some that are more quick to answer, sometimes it isn't as as deep or as profound as maybe it should be. Study to answer. Studious people do ponder their answers. When we know how to study, it really makes a difference because we become confident in answers. Okay, what is study? I have it defined here and I've had it written it there for you. It's deeper than just reading. We talked about reading yesterday, but now we're going to talk about studying what we read, uh, making sure that we understand and that we use it in the way of wisdom. As a noun, it's a state of contemplation or an application of mental faculties to the acquisition of knowledge. As a verb, it's to read in detail, especially with the intention of learning. That's study. Jude 3 says, earnestly contend for the faith without being contentious. That's a study in itself. To know how to contend for the faith and yet not be obnoxious or contentious. Contend and contentious has a little different meaning and we need to study those different meanings. Because even though it's not a different language, words mean different things. In the English language, and we probably saw that a little bit when we tried to identify the Christian language. How do we earnestly contend for the faith without being contentious? Well, in Peter writes that we should be ready to give an answer, but he also says in meekness and fear. That's the way we need to uh, contend for the faith and yet not be contentious. In Ezekiel 3.1 and John in Revelation 10.8-11, to 11, we find an interesting observation. The angel gave them a roll to eat, and I suppose it was a parchment rolled up, and I can't imagine them physically chewing this up, but that's apparently what happened. Maybe it was palatable in some way, but they apparently ate this roll. If they were in the spirit, then maybe it was all spiritual. But I want the thought here. They were to eat this roll and they were to speak. Did they have to study in order to do this? Probably not. Probably this was a miracle in their hearts that enabled them to study. But you're not going to have a roll to eat, I don't think. You're going to have to study. You're going to have to learn and grow in your knowledge and your understanding and your wisdom. It just isn't going to come automatically, maybe like it did for them. Uh, study habits you probably learned some good habits in school you learned how to uh, use the reference books and and uh, read read your textbooks you're beyond that now i know most of you are out of school but i hope your study hasn't ceased i hope you are still having study habits you can learn so much on your own and there are methods that fit you Someone can't exactly tell you how to study and how to do this. I felt that in my own life. I felt like maybe, according to a standard, my study habits weren't terribly good. And yet, I felt like I benefited from them. But I think at least we should have a time and a place and an atmosphere to study. It doesn't mean we have to do it the same exactly every day, but I think for me, again, like reading, it's in the early morning. That's when it's best for me. It's, it's a quiet time. It's a time when if I have a cup of coffee and start in the morning, I, I can learn and I can grow and I can study and concentrate. And uh, it's very quiet without distractions. As I said, it's a kitchen table. It's the best time for me. It's the best place. You will have to find out the best place for you. Some of you that were homeschooled probably already have a place. You have a desk or a light or maybe a place where your books are. Uh, I have a, a study where all my books are, but I still like the kitchen table. Compare this to the advanced study by doctors or other professionals. Working in the hospital, we have tremendous respect for the education of the doctors. Now I know there was a time King Asa was criticized by God because he didn't look to the Lord for his healing from his problems. He looked to the physicians. And if we look to the doctors without looking to the Lord, then we are on the same problem. But our doctors, or at least most of them, offer to pray for us before they begin a surgery or or a process or a test of any kind. They are praying people where we work, and we need to appreciate that. It doesn't mean that those that don't pray don't have learning. I think we need to appreciate that because it's a result of tremendous study. I just have a question here. Thinking about doctors and their study, do we think we as Christians can go through life without study? Do we think those professions, of course they need it. But are we professionals? Do we make a profession? Certainly we do. And it's just as important profession as some of the ones we call professionals. It's important that we know what we're talking about, that we can... Study and learn and grow and know what the Word of God says because we do treasure the Word of God. I know we do. We carry that Bible and we know that the Word of God is there. But if we're not going to study it, if we're not going to use it, I think it's too bad. The King James English, I know there's a lot of difference of opinion here. I knew a a man who did some evangelistic work. He wasn't a... A plain man. He was a very devoted man. But he said the King James Bible is the only Bible. It's the only one. And I've even seen on people's license plates something about the King James Bible being the only one. I don't exactly feel that way, although I do treasure the King James Bible. I'm an older person and I've always had the King James Bible. And I think there are advantages and virtues and I think it's a good translation from what I can read from others. I couldn't compare. I don't know the original languages. I can't say whether this is right or or exactly in the wording. I think these other translations can be used for study. Now, this is the way I do it. And you'll have to figure out your own way. I read in the King James Bible. I study in the King James Bible. But sometimes I want to know what something means. And I go to the other translations and see what they have to say. Not that I would use them as an authority, but as a study um, means. I'd like some input on that. How do you feel about the King James Bible? Anyone like to express a bit here? One thing I'd like to mention is that it is easy to memorize in the King James wording. Now I'm speaking as an older person. Maybe you, as the younger person, wouldn't feel that way. Any thoughts about the KJV? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I didn't. Okay.
1: I personally prefer it. Sometimes when I'm parallel, I feel like the modern versions get a little bit loose at times and I feel
0: like God to me
2: in my heart a
1: little
0: bit. Okay. Yeah, it's old-fashioned wording. There's no getting around that. And we've got a little bit of study to make on that King James English before we're done here if we don't run out of time. Um, the modern versions, the modern translations, sometimes I think I'm like you, they just don't quite sound right and yet I don't have a right to say that. I appreciate them too, and certainly we can find the gospel in these other versions. If it is, yes. Did we have? A, well, oh, I'm sorry.
1: Like one thing I heard, and I thought it was interesting, um, and that was it, like it could get really confusing over here in America if we ever get to the point that China has been at, where we don't, have, uh, we don't have, we don't have, we don't have very many written Bibles. Or, you know, you're over there in the Middle East. Or not the Middle East, like over there in the East. And if there wasn't very many written Bibles, it could get kind of confusing. It's probably going kind of confusing with all these different versions. Around. Not Possibly so. It bad, but
0: well, it isn't a problem yet, but I, I suppose, like you're saying, it could get confusing. Uh, Yes.
3: Kurt told us yesterday that truth will stand on its own two feet. Okay. Good. I'm not sure who it was, but um, truth will stand always. I'll I'll go on record and say I don't believe that King King James is the only one. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't either. But uh, (laughs) no, I just. There is other translations, but I like the KKB myself. But um, I believe that it's. You can weigh it out with other versions and translations. It is, I think, it can be confusing for kids. Maybe sitting in church, the preacher reads out this one, and look, I have this one in my hand. What's going on here, mm-hmm. or whatever. But I still believe the truth they will stand in the right teachings.
0: Okay, good. I want to say this: that if we do believe that the King James version is a good version, and maybe even the best version then we have the duty to study it. Whether it's in an old-fashioned language, whether there's some words that we have to look up or compare to understand, we can do that. What if it was in another language and we had to learn that language to learn the Word of God? Here we have it in our own language, maybe in old English, but if it's worthwhile, it's worth studying. Yes? I
4: would say that for me, I kind of want what tends to make me go to other translations is Whenever I don't really feel like giving a real good study in the KGB. It's, I don't know. It's, it's something like I go to, the, you know, it's, it seems a little bit watered down, a little bit easier, you know. And so I think we need to we need to read what we think is the best. Mm-hmm. And and if you think it's the best, why do you think it's the best? Really do some searching maybe, and if you think another version is best, that's fine if it's for really the right reason. Mm-hmm.
0: I just want to say that a man about my age who is a a real student. He's just gone into some of these things. And he criticizes some of the margin, modern versions for their origin. Not only for the manuscripts they used, but for the people who used them. They were not committed Christians. I don't know that. I'm not able to say that. I'm quoting him. He says the King James Version is the best. And he's not necessarily old-fashioned. He has done a lot of study. I'll just leave that for Let's go on. Um, Prophecy. I know some people who are very involved in prophecy, studying the prophecies. And I don't want to criticize that. It's certainly interesting. But there are so many different opinions. I have sort of, I guess maybe I'm a little deficient in the study of prophecy. When I get someone that really uh, seems to know what he's talking about, I'm kind of lost. But I do want to say, don't study prophecy at the expense of some of the deeper lessons that we have that apply right to our own life here. I think we need to remember that. Um, Subjects. How do we go about studying? Subjects. I put down here a Sunday sermon. Study that a little more. If you want to study the crucifixion of Jesus, make that a study. The flood. The Rechabites. everybody know who the Rechabites were? An interesting group. They had a resolve that, uh, that brought them favor with God. Study the Rechabites. How about the testimony of Micaiah? Micaiah was one of the few people that got a glimpse into heaven. He did. And he was resolved that he would, keep, he would uh, stick with the Word of God. In fact, when they told him, They uh, were against him and they abused him. And uh, his adversary said, which way went the Spirit of God from me to speak to you? He said, you'll find out when you're going to be looking for a place to hide. I think it was something like that anyway. Um, Our responsibility to the state, the separation that can be between the kingdom of God and the kingdoms of this world and how responsible are we We heard about that the other day, and I'm in accord with that. We need to respect the laws we've been given. How about books? The Gospels, Hebrews, make those studies, doctrinal and inspirational writers. The history of the brethren. Nothing wrong with study the history of the brethren. We have a good many. Brumbaugh and Dernbaugh. And, uh, um, oh, I can't name some of the others. I have uh, books that I haven't even read on the history of the brethren. And I myself, I've read enough to make a little study of the history of the brethren in Europe. And I wrote a a simple um, course for about 6th or 7th graders. I was able to teach that in our school a couple of times. Um, How about heroes of the faith? Jesus, of course, is the highest hero. Study His compassion. Study His suffering. Study His resurrection. And then there's Paul and Elijah and samson even though he was a negative example perhaps he's in the hebrews chapter on faith he's listed as one of those that were faithful that is at least used of god i don't know just whether you can call him faithful or not but he's listed in that category and nehemiah nehemiah is a tremendous study because he had a wonderful um duty a wonderful assignment and he he uh, He he, uh, fulfilled it well. How about Alexander Mack? He had some good writings, some good resolves. And one of the things I appreciate about those early brethren is that they were challenged. Those 40 ground-searching questions, read those, because they examined the faith of the early brethren. These are our, our forefathers, our background. Read about that. And one of the things I liked so well is that they were challenged on some point, and Alexander Mack wrote, We don't have a creed written down because we're not sure yet that the Lord has revealed everything to us that He's going to reveal. He had revealed a good bit to them of, of uh, what they should do in coming out of the formalism of the state churches. But they weren't sure that they were through yet, that God was through revealing. And they didn't want to write a creed that would be um, uh, hampering to their descendants. John Klein one of the missionaries of the early Civil War days, a martyr. He, he preached during the Civil War in the South and in the North. And I think it was probably a Southerner that, it, that shot him on his way home. He was on his horse that he traveled so far on and he was almost home and they shot him. I think they figured he was a northern sympathizer. I'm not real sure about that. But he was martyred. Uh, words, study words. Reconciled. Justification. Henceforth. I like that word because that means a change. From now on, it's going to be different. Henceforth, study that word and advocate. We had that this morning. A good study on uh, and propitiation. A good study on propitiation. Become an authority. And by that, I don't mean uh, someone who really can tell other people what to do. But uh, I mean one who is... uh, well-informed and well-studied in the the doctrinal um, examples. Grow in grace. Grow in knowledge. When I was young, I thought, that is something we hear almost every Sunday. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of His will. Well, that isn't quite what it says. It says, grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to whom be glory forever. We need to get that in there too. But grow in grace. There was a young man that I went to school with. His name was Bob Woodford. He was a Christian. He wasn't a plain man. But uh, he was a very devoted Christian. He would go to the, local, the uh, prison not too far from Sonora. And he would teach those prisoners. He died early. And at his funeral, there was a man that spoke there that was about as black as any man you see. And he spoke there in favor of Bob, telling how he came to that prison and he taught... He taught us, he said. And he, he would use words that we didn't understand sometimes. And we finally decided we've got to get to Bob. We've got to tell him, Bob, you can't use all these $5, $10 words. You've got to get down to where we, we know what you're saying. Bob just looked at him over his glasses and he said, Do you want to stay that way? And he went on teaching. Now, there is a sense in which we need to be simple. We need to get to the level of those that we're teaching. But there's also a sense in which they need to be challenged. And this, this man realized that he honored the memory of Bob Woodford because of the way he taught and challenged them. <clears throat> Bible study to old, older people. Um, I have hymn 515, and that's in our little hymn books. And I'm not going to try to sing it, but I want to say it. Go thou in life's fair morning. Go in the bloom of youth, and seek for thine adorning the precious pearl of truth. Secure the heavenly treasure and bind it on thy heart, and let no earthly pleasure e'er cause it to depart. Go while the day star shineth, go while thy heart is light, go ere thy strength declineth while ever sense is bright, sell all thou hast and buy it. Tis worth all earthly things, rubies and gold and diamonds, scepters and crowns of kings. Go ere the cloud of sorrow steals o'er thy bloom of youth. Defer not till tomorrow. Go now and buy the truth. Go seek thy great creator. Learn early to be wise. Go place upon the altar a morning sacrifice. That morning sacrifice is the sacrifice when you're young. You can't do it when you're old. You can't make a morning sacrifice when you're old. You can make a sacrifice, but now's the time to make that symbolic morning sacrifice. Come to the Lord and, and be His servant and worship Him. I wanted to mention um, concordance and commentaries. I don't know how much time we'll have to do this. How many are used to using Strong's concordance or prudence? Would some of you not know quite what it means? Well, Strong's concordance is the result of a lifetime of devotion. Strong wrote his concordance many years ago when he didn't have computers. I just can can hardly understand how he could do it because he chronicled every word from the Bible in this volume. This is an old one. They've got new ones now that have added some features. Sometimes uh, the Lord's words are in red. This is an old one, and I've used it kind of hard, I have to admit. And it's more precious to me as I grow older. But what it is, is a list of the words of the Old Testament and New Testament. And you can look up a word, and it gives that, where it's used, and a number the number refers to the back of the concordance and it gives an explanation of the original word and what it meant. And so it's a very useful study. He has even cataloged the unimportant words like an, and the. He's, he's listed them here. I don't know what use it is. I haven't been able to find much of a use for that. But he was very, very complete in his is uh, doing this and I think we ought to appreciate the study that's gone into this concordance if you need to learn more about it there's ways you can learn I don't think we'll take time to go into it like I would really like to but also commentaries use commentaries carefully because commentaries are one man's idea and they're not always right I think we can benefit from them I've benefited a lot from commentaries I can't just name some of them but uh, I have some good ones Danger ahead. Yes, there is some danger. It says, "...so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom we have not preached unto you, let him be accursed." This is what the Apostle Paul writes, "...and further by these my son be admonished of making many books. There is no end, and much study is a weariness of the flesh. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man." And I've just noted here, these scriptures are not an excuse to neglect study. We might and think, oh, I'm going to be simple. I'm not going to get into all these deep things. I want the simplicity that's in Christ. That cannot be an excuse for not getting into the word and studying. Much study is a weariness of the flesh. Yes, it's tiresome to study. But are we willing to do that? Are we willing to take a little time, make a little effort, get a little bit tired, make your your eyes might get tired of reading and study? That's something we need to do for the benefit that we can receive. Now this Bible word study, I'd like to go over this just a little bit because some of these words have been a problem to me. Booties. I just pictured a little pair of of a little child's booties I just didn't know what it meant well what does it mean anyone want to risk pardon it's spoil it's what they took in battle the booty or the booties or when they conquered another nation and took the spoil cankered anyone want to risk that one Rusted, eaten away of rust. That's exactly what I... Re- My Bible has a little uh, dictionary in the back and I've just picked out a few words that were kind of a puzzle to me and uh, maybe to you. Yes, it means eaten away of rust. Bowels. The doctors know what our bowels are, but what does it mean in the Word of God? In the King James Version, I say.
1: Inward,
0: Inward parts? Yes. It's also not physical, exactly. It's compassionate feelings bowels of mercies doesn't speak of our intestines. It speaks. And, and I think they did believe that, that that's where the seat was, was in the intestines. We think it's in the heart. But it isn't in anything physical. It's, it's in the spirit. And uh, we say it's in the heart, and that's true. Anon. What does that mean? Right. Immediately. At once. Oh, here's a dandy one. Hoys. You know, I read the Word of God for years. I probably read through it. I don't know how many times I read this. I won't brag because I don't even know. But uh, not too long ago, maybe a few years ago, I saw this Word. And you know, I have a Cambridge Bible. In fact, I have four of them that I've used. And uh, uh, the Cambridge Bible is really good and accurate. I had a Bible before that that I found some mistakes in it. Uh, you know, usually we don't look for mistakes, but some of them were pretty glaring. Misspellings or something, I just forget how it was. But I had never found one in my Cambridge Bible. But the other year, a few years ago, I came across this word and I thought, ah, that's a mistake. It's supposed to have a T on it instead of an E. Hoist. Well, that's exactly what it means. Now, you might even have Bibles that have it spelled H-O-I-S-T. You might just look sometime and see if that's, the way they have it, but in the Cambridge Bible, it's hoys, and uh, it's not a mistake. Okay, jangling. What does that mean? First Timothy one six. Yes. Yeah. Okay, foolish talking, idle tattling. Let in Romans one thirteen, Second Thessalonians two seven. What does let mean? Do you have your hand up? Oh. Um, well, we have another word for that. That's not what uh, what let means. I'm sorry. Oh, I see. That's what you're saying. Okay, let's go back to divers. Are those people who dive into the water and swim in the swimming pool or what are they? Divers. Various, different. It's Our word is spelled with an E on the end of it. Diverse. Um, it's just that simple. Okay, let's go back to let. I hope this isn't a waste of time. <laughs> yes. No, not quite. Hinder, right. To um, to hinder or prevent. Um, this next word, I've had some people pronounce this, re-reward. That's what it looks like. Re-reward. But that's not right. It's rearward. And what does it mean? Kind of like a rear guard. Rear guard. That's exactly what it means. It's just an old spelling for rearward. R-E-A-R-W-O-R-D. How about savour? We have it two places here. Once it's a noun, and once it's a verb. Savour. Pardon? Uh, Well. In flavor or scent or taste, that's right. But how about as a verb now? The savour of, what is it? Truth unto righteousness? How? What is that quote? Savour of... Anyway, as a verb, it means to understand.
3: Right,
0: right. Like Rather than the things of God. That's right. Um, it, I have a couple of references there. I didn't really want to take time to look them all up. Okay, the next one is set to. This is kind of a different one because it seems like to should be a preposition. Set to his seal. Set to his seal. Is that way it should be? No, set to is a verb. It means to affix. To is not a preposition in that quotation. He has set to his seal that God is true. Set to. He has affixed his seal that God is true. Not a, not a big thing. Certainly not a big thing. Straight. The first definition. Narrow. Small. Constricted. Okay. And uh, another meaning. Maybe you. Well, pretty much strict anyway strict how about whist or wit or what different forms of the same word to know, to know. right good um, skin and worms in job nineteen twenty six he says I know that after my skin, worms shall destroy my body. Or is it? should it be said, after my skin worms destroy this body? I've heard this quoted so many times, skin worms. I don't think that's what it means. Now, I'm giving you my opinion. I think it means after my skin, worms destroy this body. I'll give you that. You can study that out. That's what I think it means. A uh, bray. What does that mean in Proverbs? Bray. Is it what a donkey says? Or yes, to beat, to beat or pound in a mortar. Right. Um, we do you to wit. That's in uh, First Corinthians, Second Corinthians, eight, one. We do you to wit. To wit. What does that mean? That's kind of strange, isn't it? We want you to know exactly. We want you to know. Against he come. Kind of old language, isn't it? Against he come. Yes? Well, it's by the time. Yeah, I think until would be good. By the time he come or until he come. How about against in uh, Numbers twenty-five four? I haven't given you a reference there. I just wrote it in. Um, against, um, there's this... Uh, reference there that against it's out in the sun or exposed to the sun in that passage now how about over against we have that in the new testament in matthew 21 2 they were to go to the village over against you when they were to find the upper room i think that was the context over against yes uh yeah that's part of it it has a little different connotation over against opposite Opposite, right it's that one over there over against it's against you would think it would be right tight together but it's not it's the one over there um clave okay this has two meanings yes pardon To to stick with okay to keep together what's the other definition then the one maybe we would use To split, to clave the wood of the offering when Abraham went to offer his son. I think that was used there maybe. Anyway, one it means to split wood. The other it means Ruth clave to her mother-in-law, clung to her, wanted to be with her. I think that's about all I had here. There would be many, many more. And it does take a study to learn to know some of these things. Um, I... I would like to finish up with a personal testimony. Again, I don't have anything to brag about. But I do believe I heard the call of God once when I was, I think, 17. About the age of some of you. And I was sitting in the church service. We had a little old Salida meeting house that is now... Destroyed. It burned. Some uh, vandals set fire to it. It was a very old building. It burned well. (laughs) And and it was the oldest in the county and still in use. And it was really sad that we had to give up our meeting house. That was at Salida, but that's the Modesto area. And uh, now we're meeting in rented buildings, usually German Baptist schools. We have two places we can meet. But they burned that meeting house and I was sitting in that meeting house so it means a lot to me. Or it meant did mean before it burned. My father was preaching and he was preaching from the uh John is it John uh, the 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 feet washing chapter 13. Okay, he was preaching from that chapter and he used the text several texts one that Jesus said to Peter, if I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. told Peter, what does that mean to us? Do we have to be washed? Washed in the blood of the Lamb? It's maybe taking it a little bit out of context. And further on in that chapter, he said, if ye you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. In that service, we also sang, There is a fountain filled with blood. Drawn from the manual's veins, and sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their gilly stains. Maybe we can close by singing that. But that hit me, that touched my heart, and I knew this is the time. This is the time. We didn't have the practice of going forward and kneeling at the altar. But it didn't matter. That's not the the issue of the heart. I had to tell my father. And I, I waited a little while till the next morning. I thought if this is real, it won't go away. And it didn't. The next morning I told my father and I think I was baptized maybe the next Sunday. And then the Sunday after that, my first cousin was baptized too. We were very close. And so we're... We're just glad that the Lord's merciful because I knew what I was. I knew that I was a sinner. I knew that I needed the Lord and that there was no other way. I had been taught that all my life. And I know we, we don't didn't have the same uh, confessions and openness that seems to be in the church now. Young people aren't the same. I think maybe your, your uh, timidity was exp- also in my life. And uh, we didn't... We didn't just talk about it a lot. But the salvation was still there. And I'd like to just close with that song. There is a of the world he did that for you and me he shed that blood that we might lose all our guilty stains may the Lord bless you thank you for being good listeners and good participators